0: You're listening to the Market Leaders Podcast, brought to you by Pipeline Plus. Professional service firms use Pipeline Plus to capture more business from their most important clients, prospects, and referral sources. Pipeline Plus delivers the simplest interface in the marketplace and in-app suggestions on exactly which actions to take to close the next deal. It's used as a standalone app, in conjunction with business development coaching, or as a CRM companion for more effective sales pipeline management learn more, or schedule a demo, visit PipelinePlus.com. Hello and welcome back to the Market Leaders Podcast. I'm David Ackert, and today our guest is Justin Portaz, the Chief Marketing and Business Development Officer at Jenner & Block. Justin, great to have you with us. Thanks, David. It's great to be here. This is a real treat for me. Justin is a longtime friend, and I have so much respect for what he has to say when it comes to authentic leadership. Before we dive into all of that, Justin, tell our listeners just a little bit about your background.
1: Uh, Happy to. Yeah. So I don't even know exactly where to start, but we'll go way back to to the beginning because I think it is potentially relevant to, to the story of authenticity. I grew up in a fairly middle-class, single-income family in southwest Ohio. So I had cows and cornfields as my neighbors and sort of endless space to to roam around and find good trouble to get into. My mother was the youngest of 10. My father is an immigrant from Spain, came over as a young boy. And that was really sort of foundational in sort of who I became or how I grew up. I also played sports my whole life and really had a love for travel that came through my dad's immigrant story, as well as just some of the opportunities that I had and being exposed to different cultures. In college, when I was 18, I started my first two years in Madrid. I always knew I wanted to study abroad. Spain was always the place for me. And so having the opportunity to be 18 years old and jump on a plane and go live in Europe for two years was an opportunity I couldn't pass up. So I had that exposure for those first two years of university and then finished in DC where I found and stumbled into the world of legal marketing, as I think many of us do, taking an internship at Aiken Gump. And that was the job that I eventually took on postgraduate as well. And it was a fascinating world that I didn't know existed before. And it was something that sort of sung to me in a way of I can be part of an organization that is young space in an industry that is evolving and in an area that's making a difference in the world. And so from that life in DC, I moved eventually to Los Angeles, joined what was then Hogan and Hartson and became Hogan Lovells, spent some time there. And in 2012 joined Jenner and Block, late 2012, was there for, or been there for over a decade now and stepped into the CMO role in February of 2020. So an interesting time to step into that leadership role.
0: So February of 2020, you step into the leadership role. Even prior to that, you have folks that are reporting to you at Jenner. Talk to us a little bit about your approach to leadership, specifically this theme of authentic leadership and how you've come to kind of hone in on that particular idea.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of it starts back when I started playing sports as a kid. You know, I had the the pleasure and the privilege of, of doing that. And one of the things that always emerged was this idea of captainship. And, you know, I looked around at, at my sports heroes and those that were captain of, of their team. I grew up, uh, again, in Southwest Ohio. Barry Larkin as a shortstop for the 1990s world champion Cincinnati Reds was a big hero. And it was clear to me that leadership was much more a choice than it was a rank. And I always thought that that was pretty interesting to me because when I had the opportunity to step in and and be elected captain, and it was always that way with my teams, it was not self-selection, it was group selection. To say, this is the person that we trust. We believe in their conviction and their moral compass. They didn't have to be the best player on the team. They just had to be the one that could motivate and guide and show a level of trust and care And I saw that in the leaders that I was looking up to sort of as a young kid. And then to me, that's what I carried forward into the working world of wanting a level of authenticity, wanting a level of real trust that would create a community that could do more than any one person could do on their own or than any any individuals could do among themselves without that. Focus. And without that real energized leadership to say we can become something better, we can become something different or something more.
0: When we talk about authentic leadership, we have to acknowledge that we're making a distinction. And the reason we're making a distinction is because there is prevalence in the world inauthentic leadership. And perhaps that's where people have the rank, but they haven't made the choice to lead. Again, I'm just sort of following on this through line that you've set out here, but speak to that a little bit.
1: It's true. I've certainly learned, I think, as much from inauthentic leadership as I have from authentic leaders that I've had the the opportunity to be exposed to. Certainly, there are times when we look at someone and say, okay, that's not my motivating factor. That's not the way that I want to lead. That doesn't feel right for me and keeping a mental checklist has always been important for me to sort of say these are the things that are are meaningful to me
0: one of the tenets of inauthentic leadership i would imagine is do as i say not as i do we've all heard that adage i'm curious about your tenets for authentic leadership what are the things that you point to and try to emulate when you are looking to uh, model this this idea
1: for me it is really about leading with a level of vulnerability and trust, and by being the one that creates the comfortable space first, understanding that selfless service is symbiotic. For me, that has always been about allowing people to be who they truly are, and not trying to fit them into something that you want or need them to be, to accept people fully. When we look at the people we work with every single day, I think the line between who we are at home and who we are at work is long gone at this point. When building a team and when taking on the responsibility of leadership, it is critical to me and I think critical for success to give people space to be as strong as they can be where they have that strength and to support them and encourage them and give them the tools and resources to live and to execute as fully as they can. And for me, that's something that I've tried to do in in every situation, but certainly in stepping into a leadership role here at Jenner and looking at the team that, that we've built together. These are people that have such incredible skills and such incredible passion for what they do. Being a, an authentic leader simply means giving them space, giving them trust, giving them a level of comfort and, and an environment that will nurture their greatest ability and passion to execute, and then stepping back and letting them perform. It's this concept that, you know, I'll go back to my to my childhood. One of the, the things that my, my parents always said to me, and they even had this as like a little thing on the, on the wall at the end of the hallway, was there are two things we can give our kids. Uh, or in this instance, our coworkers. One is roots, and the other is wings. And it's this concept of I want to give people this real grounded foundation, a safety net, and a safe space where you can go, and and then give you the wings to try something totally new and dynamic and challenging and, and potentially risky. But that's the only way that we can get stronger as an organization, as a team, as individuals, and and we all benefit from the risk taking or or the leaps of faith that we give each other permission to take. And I want to be able, I've had those opportunities given to me and I I certainly want to give those opportunities forward as well because when you look around at the individuals and you tap into their passions and their skill sets, for me as a leader, I think all I really need to do in giving that environment and then stepping back and watching them succeed, being there to to guide where needed. But if you put the right people in the positions, they will do remarkable things. But you've
0: said, It's important to accept people for who they are, to step back so that they can succeed. You talk about giving them wings. I mean, this sounds like very much a hands-off leadership style. Would you agree that that's what this ends up looking like in the sort of day-to-day where people are given directives or projects or whatever, and then it's, you know, let me – I trust you. You're extraordinary. You're going to be great. Let me know if you have an issue. Or is it something else?
1: There is an element of giving people space to succeed and, quite frankly, to solve their own challenges or or be, you know, help them imagine or give them space to imagine what the the solutions might be. Um, I think sometimes we do get into this situation where we just want to give the answers and and holding back from that is part of the challenge of, of authentic leadership. It does create that strength in someone else that allows them to do something that they didn't know that they could do. At the same time, I think there is a real closeness in authentic leadership on a different level. I don't need to tell someone, you know, how to coach a particular lawyer on on something. I will be there to support where they need it. But most of them, you know, they come with that skill. They've developed that skill. They work with one another and strengthen that skill. But there's an emotional component in everything that we do, particularly in this industry, that can be very jarring at times and can be where I think more strength and support of leadership is needed. And that's where, for me, I think I've tried to put a little bit more emphasis is on closing that gap by showing that it's okay to be imperfect and by recognizing that it's okay to have the fears and the insecurities that I think are extraordinarily natural in the world we live in and in in the roles that we play, but to not let those hold us back from our greatest successes and opportunities, but to recognize that they are natural things that we deal with and, quite frankly opportunities for us to strengthen different muscles or, or learn different skill sets?
0: You know, there are some who have a more traditional view of leadership where you give people very clear directives, you don't show vulnerabilities and imperfections and insecurities because that will impact their view of you and make them less likely to respect you or to try to live up to your standard. You know, it's almost a more military kind of uh, Mm -hmm. approach to leadership. And that can be effective. There are some people who certainly pull that off and have very loyal reports who are incredibly productive. You know, it sounds like you're suggesting that there's a world where all of those things can exist, but that you've chosen this path of Authentic leadership with a more vulnerable approach where you're much more transparent about your own humanity and really kind of creating that space for that dialogue at work with your team.
1: I agree. And, and it all comes down to trust and how you build that trust can be done in different ways. There is the military concept of brotherhood or sisterhood or family, and, and that is developed in a particular setting. And my focus here is, is on creating sort of a, a similar familial experience, but doing it perhaps with, as you said, a bit more vulnerability at the top. The imperfections are what makes us you know, sound and solid beings. It's not that there is this expectation of perfection. It's that there is an expectation of the beauty and imperfection. And how do we lean into that more and achieve things far beyond perhaps what we thought we could achieve before? It sounds like you're creating an environment that has
0: less pretense in it than a more traditional construct. But I want to challenge you on something here, Justin. Mm -hmm. Anyone who knows you well knows that you are an incredibly likable guy. You are accommodating. You you are empathetic. You're looking out for the other person. And much of what you've just shared with us is reflective of that. But in every leader, in every manager's role, there comes a time when they have to give course corrective feedback. They have to have difficult conversations. There's someone who's really just, you know, making a mistake or they have a behavior that's really not working. And your work friendship with them, this family dynamic that you've created with them flies in the face of telling them that they need to shape up or ship out. How do you address that
1: Well, I will say in the early days of my managerial experience, I I certainly screwed this one up a a fair number of times. And, you know, I do think back about those individuals that I was supervising at the time. And and I think, oh my gosh, I had so many other things that I could have given to that person to help them advance in their career. And so those things don't keep me up at night per se. Those individuals have found a great path towards success, but it's not an easy skill or tactic to develop. It certainly takes some time, but it's a deep responsibility. As well. This goes back to that concept of leadership as a choice. And if you are in this role, there is a deep responsibility that comes to shepherding through the ultimate success of the group. And A responsibility, quite frankly, to the other members of the team to ensure that people are growing at the strength that they have and executing on the skill sets and the expectations that you have set out for them. And being able and willing to have the direct conversation, sometimes for me it's as simple as saying, look, tee it up. Here's the direct conversation that we have to have. But this comes from a place of deep care. And I think the foundation, that vulnerable leadership, that authentic leadership and the trust creates the safest space to have a difficult conversation because it doesn't come across as crass or inhumane or insensitive. If the foundation is there, I think the way that it is perceived is much more supportive. Because there isn't the thought of this is a personal vendetta or an issue or you just don't like me. You've proven those facts that you do like me, that there is this trust, and that there is this relationship. So when we have to get real, let's get real, and then let's get back to business, and then let's put on the other hat and have different conversations. I've been able to navigate that fairly well. Certainly, the other thing that I will say is the pandemic sort of blew anything out of the water that was perceived as the line between we're only work friends and we're only you know and we're friends outside of of work, it really did blur that line in a remarkable way. And it's because of that that I think leadership takes on a different Persona than maybe it did before during the pandemic, there wasn't the opportunity or even the structure to say, well, I'm just going to shut off my personal life and, and I'm going to focus on work or I'm going to shut off work and, and it's back to personal life. The two blended together in an aggressive way. And for me and in the team that I was leading, we had to have those vulnerable conversations and we had to have the conversations about how we get work done in spite of or, or with the context of what was raging around the world and you know there's a uh, one story that I'll share is I had a colleague who was at a Black Lives Matter rally in South Chicago and they called me and said I I'm here but I can't get home and I'm not sure what to do and I don't feel safe and You know, we had a conversation a little bit before that of how are we all adjusting and handling to things like the killing of George Floyd? And for that person to call me on a Saturday afternoon and just say, I don't feel safe and I need support, you know, and I could jump in the car and go drive to South Chicago and take this person home. That was not anything to do with work. It had to do with the humanity that we all have to share in this environment. And while it certainly deepened the personal connection it also, quite frankly, created a much more a different or a deeper opportunity to have the mundane work conversations about performance. Because if I'll show up for you and you'll show up for me in the hardest times or the challenging times that life throws our way, I can certainly tell you that you need to fix issue A, B, or C on a, on a work products topic. To me, that's the part that has created a level of deeper community that allows us to achieve more.
0: So it sounds like the approach that you take really creates this meaningful emotional bond with the people on your team, which certainly contributes to Retention. I mean, it would be hard pressed to find a boss like you elsewhere who's going to get in their car on a weekend and go pick them up when they're, you know, feeling unsafe at a rally of some sort. But that also enables you to follow what I've noted down here is, I, I believe, is your approach, which is when there is a more difficult conversation to have, when there's a course correction to apply. First, you set the context. Look, here's where I'm coming from. I care about you. I care about your success. This is not a your boss is coming down on you kind of a conversation, right? So you, you put them at ease a little bit in terms of what is the tenor? And then you tell them what the situation is. Here's what's not working. And then you tell them, here's, we need to fix issue A, B, and C. So this is what the solution is going to look like. And then it's, let's get back to business, right? And again, because you have a bit of a hands-off approach, you are then leaving them to go and fix this issue as you've outlined in your conversation. And if you see that it doesn't get resolved, then you got to come back to it. But I think that it's really important, this first piece that you've put in place. Because when the relationship is there, when that vulnerability and that sense of family, that bond is there, then the person on your team is much more likely to put in the extra effort to course correct as you've laid out when you have to have that conversation.
1: Yes, and I would say as well, helping them or giving them space to identify the solutions on their own can be critically important, too. Rather than being told this is the answer or the solution, it's posing the question of how do we resolve this and what ideas do you have? The authenticity and the ownership of that, I think, is important to how someone adopts the new approach or, or the course correction as you identified. Okay,
0: so I'm going to correct that four-step process. First, it's context. Here's where I'm coming from. I care about you. Then it's situation. here's what's not working. Then it's an open ed question. What are some ways that we can solve this? What ideas do you have now? What if the issue is their own blind spot right it's a It's a behavior or it's just this is their weak point, and they simply don't have the capacity to see that they are the problem
1: It's a great example and scenario. part of the giving them space to be the the solution provider themselves. Will actually allow me as a leader or or their leaders on the team to do a little bit more of an assessment of that person's, as you said, potential blind spots. I also will lean on others in the team, you know, my leadership in, in particular of who is the right coach in this particular scenario. How do we fix this or address this issue together? Uh, because what I have focused on doing is surrounding myself by people that are exceedingly intelligent and have a different skill set than I do, and I don't feel like I have to solve every challenge on my own, we do this together because we care about one another. And so when there are those true blind spots, I, I, we will call them out um, but there is someone inevitably on the team is a master at that or at least has a particular skill set. and so there's partnership in problem solving and in growth and in, in development. and it's not a game of, of shaming someone or, or that feedback like that or discipline like that is a negative. It really is an opportunity for growth and and development, and when you approach it from the caring perspective, it becomes a lot easier, I think, to lend and to adopt. And And I ask for that for myself as well. I certainly have my blind spots. I learn from my team every single day. I have people on my team that are very process-oriented and data-driven and, you know, it's wonderful how they push and stretch me in many ways. And, and at the same time, I hope that I push and stretch them to tap into the more you know, vulnerable or softer side of, of things or emotional side of things that I think add a layer of strength. And there are multiple ways to get it right. What the formula is is probably constantly changing, but looking for those opportunities to learn from one another and then creates a stronger team environment and creates relationships of mentorship and, and accountability.
0: Well, you're certainly well-suited for this particular style of leadership. In some ways, it's just an extension of your personality and your own personal values. I'm curious, what advice do you have for someone who's looking to take a more human approach, a more authentic approach to leadership? They might be listening to this podcast and saying, yeah, I think I need to work on that side of things. What would you advise them to do?
1: Take risks and work to sort of disrupt your own comfort level. And it's easy to say and very hard to do. Uh, I will I will say that. And be kind in taking small steps along the way. I think the road to being a authentic or vulnerable leader, however you want to define it, is not one that happens overnight. Trust takes a lot of time to, to build and to develop. But that culture is created by the voice at the top saying it is okay and this is a safe space. And I'm going to show that or demonstrate that by being the one who's vulnerable first. Sitting back and saying, this is a safe space. Please feel free to share anything you'd like. We'll be met with a blank stares and crickets. But when you can share a piece of yourself first, I think people will be really excited by or surprised by the amount of feedback that is received or the level of care that is brought back onto the the person sharing the level of vulnerability. Every time I have sent my team a vulnerable email or or shared something in a meeting, oftentimes doing those things because I either know there's a particular issue underlying one person on the team, or it's even an issue that I'm struggling with myself. And I can talk about my own experience in in those spaces, even if it's just one person that says, thank you, that meant a lot, or I care and I feel connected. That's what it's for. I think you manage a team thinking about how the individual is impacted. And what we find is that there is so much commonality in the human experience that you might be thinking you're writing this email or or sending this message because it's going to resonate with that person. And yet someone you didn't think or that it may be quiet or that may feel seem cold in the meeting or, or on the team is touched by that. And I think we can't Assume that we know who the recipient is intended to be all the time, or we can't necessarily anticipate how something will be received, but we have to do it because by taking that risk, we create a safer space for the team to do more and to be stronger than if they're holding themselves back, feeling disconnected. It also leads to that community and that retention that I think is so critical and elusive sometimes in this industry. And that's where I found, I think, a real, you know, a real opportunity to continue to build something incredible with a team that has shown a level of commitment and authenticity themselves. And I view each of them as leaders in their own right.
0: Well, in short, in the years to come, when they assume more and more leadership in their careers, they'll be looking back to the experiences that they've had with you, and that will shape their approach. Justin, I really appreciate you sharing your thoughts with us today on this topic, and I admire you as a leader. I'm sure working with you is a a really unique and very, very meaningful experience, so thanks for giving our audience a taste of some of that today.
1: Well, thank you, David. As you know, in our years of experience together, I've always admired your leadership, the way you conduct yourself, and that's why I think these conversations are always a joy for me, so I appreciate the time.
0: Today's episode was brought to you by Pipeline Plus. We solve business development problems for professionals around the world. Visit pipelineplus.com to learn more about our technology and coaching solutions.